Philadelphia Union, San Jose, Earth, DC, Los Angeles, Galaxy, Beach Pass, Colorado Rapids, Vancouver Whitecaps, Seattle Sounders, Montreal Impact, Flash USA, York Red Bulls, Pitch Pass, your all-access credential to the people that matter in MLS. Here's your host, Greg Roach. Welcome to Pitch Pass. Thank you so much for downloading it or streaming it at PitchPass.com. And if you haven't streamed it at PitchPass.com, go to PitchPass.com. It's a lot of fun stuff there for you to check out, and uh, that's the easiest way for you to circulate the show because I'm hoping that you love everything you're hearing and you're thinking to yourself, this is a really good MLS show. And then you want to tell your friends who love MLS, and then they'll tell your friends, and then so on and so on and so on. No matter how you got the show, thank you very much for listening. Let's get into it. Got a good one today. Later, we'll be joined by new FC Dallas forward and maybe the most talked about player in MLS over the offseason. I think so. Maybe. Kenny Cooper will join us later. But first, we get everything Sounders related with the Seattle Times' Joshua Myers. Josh, how are you, my friend? Great, thanks for having me on. Oh, of course, of course. You've got a, you've got a good beat, Josh, and I, I can't wait to talk to you about all things Sounders. But let's go back, because you kind of broke that story on the Shawry Joseph, and I know it's kind of in the past now, but how surprising was it for you that day when he just pops up at training? Very surprising. I try to get out to, to practice as, soon, as early as possible. I try to actually get out before they're even there so I can see them walk out. And so when I saw uh, a long dreadlocks player walk out, I could see him coming from out of the locker room. And I was uh, immediately uh, curious because I knew someone that looked like that hadn't been in camp. And the closer he got, you know, uh, I started to figure out who it was. And I must say I was shocked. And when I tweeted it out and saw the response, I'm, I'm sure everyone around the league was too. You, it was a, it was always going to be a funky fit uh, as far as how he would, he would fare uh, with the Sounders setup. Um, you got a chance to watch him train. We we heard uh, Siggy's comments, and uh, you know I think they were, I think he was doing his best to sugarcoat that he was a little bit out of shape. How did he look to you uh, training with the Sounders? Yeah, it's tough. I mean, he's there for for two days, and he hasn't been able to train with the team while the Sounders have been going for a couple weeks. So, you know, the, the the staff probably got a closer look at him than I was really paying attention to on the sideline. I mean. Uh, he certainly looks the part. I mean, if you you haven't seen Charlie Joseph enough, uh, he's definitely a physically intimidating guy out on the field. He's he's six three. He's strong. I think he uh, had a shoulder to shoulder charge with Brad Evans, and Evans fell to the pitch at one point, and Charlie played on. So, you know, he's got the size. He's got the strength. Uh, you know, if they did some conditioning drills at the end, and you know, you probably noticed him, uh, you know, struggling in that regard. But that was probably always going to be the case, no matter what, in terms of physical fitness. Um, so uh, I guess we'll have to see. I mean, certainly he's a, he's kind of a known commodity. So if you're going to make a move for him, you're kind of basing it on what you've seen. And if you sign him, you, you figure after a couple of weeks, you can probably get that fitness back in shape. That probably isn't going to be a, a deal breaker if he's kind of out of shape those first couple of days. So I don't know. Money was probably always going to be the biggest issue if uh, the Sounders couldn't afford probably to take on that whole contract, obviously. And it was maybe a matter of seeing if Chivas would pick up some of that. So, I think finances were a big deal. I don't know if him uh, kind of struggling in conditioning deals after training for the first time was going to be the deal breaker. I think every team in the league at this point in the season has some some kind of interesting, some names that have kind of pop that are on trial. And, and Sounders just picked up an, another guy in Michael Silvestri who is going to be traveling with the team. Um, where where do you see him fitting in with the team, if if at all? Yeah, if, if it's going to be somewhere, it's going to be center back. That's where the Sounders have brought in a bunch of trialists. They have another big name in uh, Jimmy Traore. He uh, yeah. 
the center back who used to play for Liverpool, and and uh, so there the Sounders are are looking. Um, they they brought in I mean probably five six guys at, at center back, and and Sylvester is the next one in the line. I think he just stayed in Arizona when the Timbers were training there. They came back to Portland, and he just stayed there and waited for the Sounders to arrive. And the, and the Timbers said they're not you know entirely done with him either. They might you know stay in touch with him, keep in contact, see if uh, something might work for them. And and again, for the Sounders, it's going to come down if if the money's right and if uh, Sylvester's informed. So uh, I guess he, he just arrived yesterday, so maybe we'll give him a couple of days, see if he can get some of these preseason games under his belt and uh, see how things go. What's the buzz uh, on the team, either through the fans or through management, about expectations for this season? Expectations are always as high as they can be. I mean, it's for the past few years now, it's really been MLS Cup or bust. And last year, uh, you know, talent-wise, you could probably say the Sounders were had the talent to win an MLS Cup. Now, having the talent to win an MLS Cup and going out and winning it are two different things. But that'll that'll stay the expectation, I think. Uh, even though they they lost Freddie Montero, and even though they're they're out Jeff Park this upcoming season, uh, the, the expectations won't change. So, whether or not they uh, sign some replacements here in preseason or or bring in a couple in midseason or I think they have these guys like Mario Martinez, Christian Tiffert, Steve Zakawani, who really didn't feature the whole year last year coming in and playing a bigger role this year. Uh, the expectations are always going to be the same from the fans and the team. As an outsider looking at that club, I think to myself, oh, well, they lost arguably their best player in Freddie Montero. Uh, they're going to be worse. And then as I look over the roster, as I was getting ready to talk to you, I look at it and I'm like, their starting 11 is as good as any in MLS, even without Freddie Montero in it. Yeah, uh, withdrawn forward might have been the the position that the Sounders were strongest at. When you look at Mauro Rosales has played there, Mario Martinez can play there, Christian Tiffer can play there. Uh, you know, even going into the those are just the midfielders. I mean, David Estrada could play there. Uh, you know, Ziggy's mentioned Steve Zakawani as being an option to push up. So uh, when it comes to you know offense and, and playmakers, uh, you know the, the Sounders had some of those. Now that Ziggy has made no secret, you know, that they're still looking for a DP forward, whether to bring in before the season starts or, or kind of still in that primary window, you know, after week one starts or, or whether it's the midseason, they'll they'll still be looking to bring in a guy like that. But even in the short term, in the interim, if, if they can't get something done, you know, in this primary window and they have to wait until summer, they, they certainly have some options that can fill in there. Now, there are a couple of things. Uh, you mentioned Steve Zakawani, who didn't feature last year. It's almost like gaining a new player. Is he going to be unfettered this year going at, from the start of the season? That's what they're saying. I mean, that's what the expectation will be. Um, he did. I don't know if he had 100% the same uh, training regimen as the other players had as we kind of got in. I don't know if they just wanted to, to push him full bore kind of on day one. But there there shouldn't be uh, you know any mention of of the injury or, or fitness at least to start based on, on what we've seen so far. So yeah, he should be full, full ready to go, you know, but you still have Mario Martinez yeah. and Mauro Rosales as, as highly capable guys starting out on the wing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what the starting 11 looks like maybe in these uh, upcoming preseason games. Yeah. And that was the other thing I was going to mention was Mario Martinez, who, who was on the team last year, but didn't feature a lot. And I feel like this year uh, having some time to settle in with the team and the, and the city You'd, you'd expect him to be a, a bigger part of their plans this season. Yeah, certainly a bigger part. Uh, one of the things that kind of hurt him last year was he was always kind of going in and out with the national team duty with Honduras, and that'll you know still be the case this year with with World Cup qualifiers in the hex. So, you know, maybe that that's something that continues to uh, 
you know, maybe come at the cost of MLS playing time or, or maybe not. We'll have to see. But, uh, yeah, certainly uh, a lot of people expect Mario Martinez to play a much bigger role. And you, you see what he does with Honduras. It's kind of a free role almost at the national team level. I don't know if he'll get that kind of freedom with the Sounders, but there's so much talent there, and he scored one of the biggest goals in Sounders franchise history in the playoffs last season. I think a lot of fans here are excited about him. Who do you see as the front runner for that playmaker role? Jeez, that's a... <laughs> putting me on the spot. That's, a, <laughs> that's like the big question, big question of preseason right now is is who's going to play up you know up top with Eddie if they kind of keep the same shape that they've had when it was those Freddie Montero years or you know maybe they they change the shape altogether. Uh, if if you're telling me to pick a starting eleven right now, I'd I'd probably say Mal Rosales might be the guy that that slides into that role and and maybe have Zachwani and Martinez on the on the flanks, but that's something that they're going to be working on a lot these next couple of weeks in the Desert Diamond Cup down in Tucson is kind of figuring out that, uh, that starting 11 they want to have. As somebody who, who doesn't have any uh, uh, right to throw out names, but will anyway, because I might as well, uh, wouldn't a Zakawani coming off the bench, at least at the start of the season, uh, make a little bit of sense and then having a, a, a Martinez, Rosales, and Tiffert kind of behind Eddie Johnson? Is that a formation that, that could be possible? Yeah, I could see it. I mean, if you if you had a blog post about, you know, where do you think the Sounders should fit all these pieces, you would probably get, you know, 25 different <laughs> opinions from the 25 commenters that you got. There's just, there's just so many options on this team, and, and certainly – the idea of having a guy like Zach Kawani come off the bench is a, is a big one. Christian Tiffert's, uh, you know, an interesting story because he can play a bunch of different roles. And I don't know if he really kind of found his way and settled in last year. So, uh, And he's kind of been hit by a little bit of an injury, we were told, by Ziggy uh, before they went to Tucson. So maybe uh, that will carry over or not. We'll see if he's able to get over that. But certainly, uh, t- yeah, Tiffert continues to be uh, – Kind of a, a question mark. We'll see if he settles in and finds a role. I've kind of seen him playing mostly out wide in the the scrimmages early in the year, but that's kind of hard to judge since all those national team guys were out. But, uh, yeah, I mean, certainly Tiffert's another option. I mean, it wouldn't be a huge surprise if, if he's on the bench, too, and it's yeah. kind of interesting to think of a designated player midfielder, you know, or probably the highest-paid guy on the team being on the bench. But, you know, that, that's kind of what the centers are faced with with all these options. Then you have Alonzo, Brad Evans. Uh, it's it's a very, very deep team in certain areas. Um, right. Once you get past Eddie Johnson, I know David Estrada had a really good start to last season before he got injured. Where is he health-wise? And then the second question, which I think is the, the key for the entire Sounders season, is can you expect 2012 Eddie Johnson uh, in 2013? So uh, David Estrada, he's uh, looking to be in great shape. Um, he's always kind of the guy, whenever they do the conditioning drills, he's always leading the way. That guy's a, a fitness machine. And uh, we remember him having kind of a great start to last year while Eddie Johnson was kind of out injured to start the year. That's when David Estrada really shined. But then he got hurt kind of through the year. I think he uh, he broke his foot and he was out for a few months, so that kind of hurt him. But uh, he looks to be in good shape. And then with Eddie Johnson up front, you know, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to repeat kind of the form he had. He, he set a Sounders record with 14 goals, and, and Ziggy would always credit when you have a guy like Freddie Montero next to you, a lot of times defenses will say, hey, maybe Freddie's the key to the offense. Yeah. We'll focus more on him, and that opened up some space for Eddie maybe one-on-one with some guys. If now you don't have Freddie Montero up there and defenses kind of know now that we're going to have to maybe double-mark Eddie Johnson and, and take him out of the game, it, it might be harder for him, so... 
you know, that'll maybe rely on, on some of the other guys to pick up some of the load there. But I think, uh, I think a lot of people are confident that Eddie himself, you know, won't be a dip in form. If it's a dip in production, maybe it's because he's opening up more opportunities for some of the other guys. But with what he's been able to do with the national team kind of consistently the past couple months now. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see. We've seen crazier things. If you make the assumption that Eddie is going to be Eddie and the midfield is going to be uh, deep and talented as they are, does that make backline depth uh, one of the big issues or, or things that need to be addressed? You mentioned bringing in center backs. Uh, is that going to be a big issue for Sounders as they go through this preseason? Uh, certainly, certainly at center back, I would think, and, and maybe even at, at right back. Um, you know, with, with left back, they got a couple of veterans in Leo Gonzalez and Mark Birch, so you probably think that's at least a, a stable position, but at center back, I mean, yeah, you, you look really thin right now. Patrick Ianni and, and Hurtado have each had kind of injury issues uh, over the seasons, and Zach Scott right now would be maybe the guy that you would pencil in as a starter among signed players going into you know the opening season. So I don't know if that instills a lot of confidence. So, but I, I mean, I, I expect they'll sign one or two center backs going into the season, maybe one of these trialists if they can make the money work with Jimmy Traore or uh, or even Silvestre. I mean, they got another guy, Shawnee Fairclaw, who's been in there. Eric Zavaleta, kind of their first-round pick, has been training as a center back. So they, they kind of have some options, but they, they kind of have to resolve things. They have to make some decisions here in the next couple months because outside of the March 2nd MLS opener, they also have the Champions League yeah. quarterfinals coming up against Tigres, so it kind of adds a little bit of urgency, I think, to the preseason. So, and uh, at right back, yeah, you got Adam Johansson and, and maybe Zach Scott backing him up. Uh, so, so certainly, I think uh, defense is where maybe most of the fans' concerns are going in. You mentioned MLS Cup or bust, and that's kind of been the the rally cry for the team and the fan base, um, basically since its inception. They haven't gotten to the MLS Cup. Is there any fatigue or, or worry uh, with the fan base to say, okay, every year we say MLS or Cup or bust, and then we, we don't get to MLS Cup, and how many years can we just hit reset and start over and then not make to MLS Cup before we, we raise a red flag or two? Right. Um, you know, maybe going into year five, I don't know if we've reached that point. Um, certainly you might. I mean, the, the thing that might help, you know, the Sounders is, I remember last year going into the year, everyone was saying this Galaxy team might be one of the best the league has seen. And that was kind of, I think, might have been before the Omar Gonzalez injury and, and things like that. Um, but, it, you know, if the Galaxy are now down to just one designated player, you know, not knowing what Landon Donovan's doing, yeah. maybe if they drop back to the pack a little bit. I mean, if if the Galaxy are weaker than last year and the Sounders can, can find a way to kind of, you know, stay level, I mean... If you're just basing it on last year's form, you think the Sounders still have a good chance. But you're right. I mean, this, the expectations have been there for a while. And, and every year now going forward is going to be more of a disappointment than the year you know, previous if they, if they don't make it and make a run. So, uh, you know, patience will, will probably start flying thin in, in the next couple of years if they're not able to get there. But kind of like I've said before, I think they've always been positioned with at least the talent to be able to make the kind of run and – Maybe the, the fans appreciate that, but uh, and at the end of the day, one of these days they're going to have to put together a serious run. Yeah, I agree, and to go to the other side, it, they also put 
money into the team. It's not like the, the team is mismanaged so you can get upset or disgruntled about that. They're packing the stadium. Uh, they're bringing in designated players. They play uh, an exciting brand of soccer. So it's hard to kind of be disillusioned if you take out the results and the end game and what the goal is. Right. Consistently, yeah, over four years, I think they have more points over four years than anyone but the Galaxy. And I think that goes for goals as well. And uh, they've, they've kind of had three designated players on the team for a long while, which is a maximum. Mm-hmm. The thing that a lot of people are starting to ask now is, where's that multimillionaire DP that you're going to bring in? A lot of the DPs, uh, you know, outside of Freddie Lundberg in the early years, you know, none of these DPs have really been making over a million dollars. So they're they're technically their DPs because you know their their cap hit is three thirty five yeah. and they're you know making more than that but it's not generally too much more than that and then when you compare it to the DPs that the Galaxy had last year you know maybe you can start to see a, a gap between the the production you're getting certainly at the end of the year so you know those questions are still going to be asked if uh, they're not going to the MLS Cup and they're not maybe bringing in these world stars that the the fans think that they should be watching and and seeing if they're packing the stadium and and bringing in some cash flow. So maybe that's one of the things. And certainly the, you know, ownership has addressed it and they said they're not going to let, you know, money be something that, you know, comes between the, the team they want to field. So, so they'll have to, they'll have to sign someone though and put kind of the, the moves where, you know, they'll have to back it up the top. So we'll have to see until then. Before I let you go, Josh, I wanted to get your thoughts on the Cascadia Cup controversy going on. And just a brief overview, uh, Cascadia Cup is was a cup that is shared between Whitecaps, Sounders, and Timbers supporters. They bought it. They own the cup. And MLS is now trying to copyright it or did copyright it in Canada. How big of an issue is it? in in cascadia uh everything that's going on we we see a lot about twitter on it and i don't know if that's something that we can gauge off of how everybody feels or if that's just people vocal people on twitter how big of a controversy is this cascadia cup thing yeah you're right it's, it's always hard to judge with these yeah. kind of things because certainly it's it's massively important to a good group of people and it's it's kind of hard to judge you know if you're talking about a, a stadium and a fan base that extends multiple thousands beyond, you know, kind of the, the Emerald City supporters and, and that kind of stuff. But, you know, I I, I think uh, a lot of fans in the area have paid attention to it. Certainly all we've really been able to see, we haven't been privy to kind of the conference call conversations that they've been having with the league. You know, maybe everything's going cordially and, and how they want it to, or, or maybe it's more contentious. But I know it certainly seems odd to a lot of people that a competition that dated before any yeah. of these teams were even in MLS is, could possibly, you know, be under the control of the league. And uh, I don't think uh, a lot of people like how that sounds, like how that feels. And, you know, I'd, I'd, uh, I'd be lying if I said it, it didn't kind of rub me the wrong way, too. But, uh, you know, we don't really – I mean, we, the league has kind of said their intentions. You know, maybe those are their, their intentions. Maybe they're not their intentions. You know, we kind of just have to base all our opinions so far on what the supporters groups have told people and what the league has told people uh, – but, yeah, it's, it's certainly one that remains uh, uh, an interesting subject out here. I mean, I, yeah. I look forward to seeing if it gets resolved, how it gets resolved, and uh, if everyone is happy with how things ended up. Yeah, and it'll be interesting because, first off, from a media standpoint, uh, MLS isn't getting the coverage that, say, baseball, football, basketball is getting. Um, but then even the things that you are get are are from official outlets. You know, NBC Sports Network, who has a partnership with MLS, might not make this Cascadia Cup 
uh, controversy a talking point because it kind of makes MLS look bad. So there's really nowhere on a national platform to have a, a dialogue, a back and forth, as if it were, say, an, an NFL situation where you could talk about it on sports radio or whatever outside of Cascadia. Right. And another thing that comes up is, you know, both sides of these, you know, th- this issue, you know, they're not going to speak candidly about it while they're still kind of yeah. in discussions about it. They're hiring lawyers. They're, you know, doing all these certain things, too, which which makes it harder to, you know, to really grasp. But, yeah, I think you're right. You do see a lot of those connections between the, the league and, and partners and media outlets and, and certain things that kind of muddy the waters a little bit, too. But, I know a lot of people over here, the, the situation isn't muddy at all, and a lot of people are, are behind the fans and the groups on this one. Thanks, Josh. We appreciate it. We'll catch up with you during the season. All right. Thanks for having me. Make sure you follow Josh on Twitter. Lots of great news, especially if you're a Sounders fan. You probably already are. At Joshua Myers. Myers being spelled M-A-Y-E-R-S. And, of course, follow his blog on seattletimes.com. As we shift to, as I mentioned earlier, one of the most talked about players in MLS during the offseason, the will-he-or-won't-he situation has finally been resolved. He is a member of FC Dallas for the 2013 MLS season. He joins us now on Pitch Pass, Kenny Cooper. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thank you very much. Now, I'm calling you, Kenny, from Washington, D.C., and I don't know, maybe it just you're not, you're not closely identified with Baltimore, but you're, you're Charm City's born and bred. I am, yeah. Um very proud to to be born in Baltimore. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of a lot of people from Baltimore don't say that when they're outside of Baltimore, Kenny. So that's very nice that you said you're proud to be from Baltimore. Oh, I'm very proud to be from Baltimore. My wife is also from Baltimore. Her family all lives there. So um, fortunately, I'm still able to get back and <clears throat> um, go back to my soft seasons and go look at my old neighborhood and get all nostalgic. But uh, it's a very special place to me, and I have. Uh, some incredible memories from Baltimore. Well, we'll go inside for a second. What what neighborhood did you grow up in? <laughs> I well, I grew up in Timonium. All so, right, uh, all right. Pinewood Elementary School, um, and uh, my wife at, went to the same school. Believe it or not, and uh, yeah, again, it's a really special uh, place for me. Wait, wait, hang on. So your wife went to the same elementary school as you did, but you just you didn't get married till last year. What what have we been doing the whole time, Kenny? <laughs> Well, we were we were actually in the same fourth grade class, and um, <laughs> my family moved to Florida. Uh, my dad started a, a franchise, an indoor franchise down there, and um, through mutual friends, uh, my wife Molly and I we met a little later in life, and uh, yeah, we got married last year. Finally, tied the knot. Do you still have the uh, the class photo? I do, absolutely. And the I two do. of you are in there, and you're both looking at each other. <laughs> Yes, I'm in the back row, and uh, she's stood right in front of me. When did you leave? When did you leave the Baltimore area? I left Baltimore. Um, I guess it was the summer '94. So, how old were you, approximately? I was ten. Ten. All right, because because mm-hmm. I'm listening to you, and I'm not hearing Timonium. I'm hearing Timonium, which is which is very <laughs> non-Baltimore, Kenny. No, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure what. Um, what kind of accent I have? Sadly, I, you lost I went your to high Baltimore, in Texas, and <laughs> it might just be a mix of it, you know all the different places I've lived in. So now you're you're back home, I guess. You you call Dallas home, correct? Um. Well, you know, home is where <laughs> home, is, home where. is where my wife is, and uh, <laughs> you know, I'm fortunate that you know we've been able to make a lot of different homes, and um, 
you know, we've been all over the world together and, you know, been able to share a lot of great experiences. Uh, but yes, now home is back in Dallas. Okay, well then let me ask you this, because the last four years especially, you you have been in a lot of different homes. And I know you're going to say this because this is a cliched athlete answer, but how important is it for you now to actually put down some roots and, and maybe call someplace, hopefully Dallas, home for a, an extended period of time? Oh, well, you know, there's definitely a familiarity to Dallas yeah. for me. Um, you know, not just in the surroundings and um, you know, the roads and, uh, schools and, and whatnot. But, um, you know, even going back to FC Dallas where, um, a lot of the coaching staff is, uh, the same as when I left, um, Shell Simon is there. He actually recruited me to go play for him at SMU. Brent Irwin, um, an assistant coach was a high school coach of mine and Marco Ferruzzi and Drew Keeshan, um, you know, are, are both guys that were there when I left. So there's a great familiarity. Um, in the club that I feel, and it does feel like home. You know, I'm, I'm really happy uh, to be back. And um, my, my three and a half years before were um, a really uh, important time in my career and my first years in the MLS. And uh, it's great to be returning and great to return to, um, you know, people who I, I, I believe have a lot of faith in me, and that, that means a lot. I was just looking up, and it, it, is your first training session with the with the club tomorrow, or was it today? No, I've actually I found out um, about the trade uh, last Sunday, and I was on a flight Tuesday heading down to Mexico. So I, I've been with the team for okay, uh, good. Because I was I was concerned maybe you missed the Cancun trip, and I've been like, oh, what a rub that you didn't get to go to Cancun. No, I, I, did, I didn't miss that. Um, <laughs> I found out the news and head, headed down there pretty quickly. You know, I think the the club wanted me to get in as soon as possible and mix with the boys and yeah. you know get acclimated and and you look really um, good. you look really good going oh I'm traded where's the team at Cancun I gotta I gotta join the new team I gotta get acclimated as quickly as possible get me to Cancun <laughs> right yeah there's worse places to go it <laughs> exactly was, it was a great trip it was a great trip um, how hard was this off season for you and I I don't mean from the from a standpoint of uh, mostly just. At the end of the year, everybody was just – there was assumptions about what was going on with New York. And, and for you, it was, oh, well, they're going to be trading Kenny Cooper. They're going to be trading Kenny Cooper. How hard was that kind of looming over your head where the media just basically assumed that you are leaving? Yeah, no, it was, you know, looming over my head for, you know, a couple of weeks, I think, uh, even before Christmas. Um, you know, that uncertainty of not knowing, you know, where I was going to be. But – um you know, that, I think, you know, can, can can be part of the game. And, you know, I think everyone that's in the game and plays professional sports um, knows that, knows that it's the reality of the game. And fortunately for me, um, I have stability, um, you know, at home, with you know, with my wife. And, and you know, together we were able to go through it. And, um, and uh, you know, I'm fortunate that, um, you know, I've ended up, you know, back in a place yeah. that, you know, I'm very happy to be. It is very difficult to leave New York. Um, it was a great club to be part of. And um, my wife's family is actually, uh, like I said before, in Baltimore, such as it is in New York. So it was difficult to leave. Um, at the same time, you know, if I had to leave somewhere, yeah. um, Dallas is just, you know, really a wonderful place to come to. But I even think your situation was even more unique for athletes. I mean, everybody, every athlete knows that they could be moved at any time, but it wasn't like you were a free agent and that you could have your agent go out and say, hey, 
These are these are some of our suitors. And it wasn't like you had requested a transfer so that you said, I know that I'm leaving because I asked to leave. This was just kind of a situation where it's like, I got a contract. I'm on this team. But now everybody's telling me that I'm not going to be on the team. And that to me, that's the hardest part is is not asking for it, not being a situation where you can do anything about it, but still having to live with it and deal with it. Yeah, now again, there's, you know, a, a lot of uncertainty, you know, around that time. Um, but, you know, it's just, it can be a part of the game. And, you know, you just get on with it. You just deal with it the best you can. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate, like I said, that I have, um, you know, a great family, a great wife, you know, people who are so supportive and, you know, people that really help you through those times of uncertainty. So, um, you know, we, we made it through that time. And, um, you know, now we're on the other side and starting a new journey. You missed a blizzard, too. So you, you got lucky doing that. <laughs> I missed the blizzard. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> funny when uh, well, not funny, but uh, you feel kind of guilty when, you know, you're, you're calling, uh, you know, back home and, and you see, you know, snow in, in the background and. And meanwhile, I'm looking out on the beach you know, for my hotel room. <laughs> oh, that sucks, guys. Sorry. Sorry. But hey, I got to go. I got, we got some beach time coming up in a couple yeah. of minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's right. All right. I want to ask you one last thing about Red Bulls, and then we can we can move forward and talk about FC Dallas. Um, and I'm just going to, for a yes or no answer, do you really believe that Thierry Henry had a problem playing with you? Yes or no? Do I believe he had a problem playing with me? Yeah, do you, like because the, the 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 media again, we talk about the press's slant on things, and their whole thing was, well, Henri doesn't like the way that Kenny plays as far as it, how it meshes with him. Do you believe that that was a situation or an issue? No, I think you know. To be honest, I have a great relationship with him. I really enjoyed my time out there on the field with him, um, and uh, you know, it, it, it's a privilege to be able to, you know, and I told him. You know, when I left, it was a privilege to be able to play alongside him and to be able to, um, you know, train with him on a daily basis. Uh, everyone knows uh, about Terry Henry and the, uh, you know, incredible career he's had. So everyone, um, you know, that's a part of that club and has the opportunity to, to see him on a daily basis. You know, it's, it's an incredible education. And for me, you know, I like to think I'm still growing and learning as a player. Um, you know, I, I think it was, uh, you know, invaluable to have a year uh, playing next to him. And, um, you know, I, I think we had a great relationship with each other. So at no point when you're reading all this stuff in the papers, do you go to him in, in training and go, hey, you, you can play with me, right? We can we can play with each other, right? Oh, you know, we've – I never had a conversation with him <laughs> addressing our, our relationship. We, uh, you know, we know ourselves the good relationship that we have. And, you know, uh, I hope that, you know, that continues, you know, even though we're not – on the same team anymore. I have the world respect for him. He is an unbelievable player. He's a, you know, a great guy to be around off the field, very funny. And um, again, you know, there's so much that you're able to learn from him. And, uh, you know, I'll look back on my time with Red Bulls with, um, you know, great memories. It's so weird. As I was saying that to you, I'm thinking to myself, this feels like we're like high school dating and you heard something about somebody and you got to go up. Hey, we're good, right? We're we're OK, right? <laughs> yeah, no, we're fine. We're fine. We're totally fine. So let's no, let, let's talk about FC Dallas. And, you know, I was talking to Alexi Lawless last week uh, on the show and, and we brought up you and how it pertained to Red Bulls. And, you know, everybody was saying, you know, you scored 18 goals last year and it's going to be a lot harder now without, without Henri. And, and my response was, well, he's got a former MLS MVP 
as a playmaker now, I don't know, like playing with, with David Ferreira has got to be exciting to you. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's very exciting. I mean, he, like you said, uh, has been an MLS MVP. Um, you know, it's just, has taken his team to the, you know, MLS Cup before. And, uh, you know, hopefully, you know, I'll be able to, you know, come in and, and, and be a good part of this team. And hopefully we'll be able to get back, you know, to that MLS Cup and, you know, hopefully win one one day. But um, David's a special player. I'm looking forward to playing with him. And also, you know, a lot of the other guys that are part of this club, having a week with them in Mexico and, you know, two-a-day training sessions, getting to know off the field. It's a great group of guys, hardworking, um, you know, with a lot of talent. So, um, yeah, I think I was really encouraged having spent a week with them and being able to see, you know, firsthand the quality there. Um, you know, I already know about the coaching staff and have tons of respect for them. Um, and, you know, it's, it's a, really a very good team, um, you know, that's together here. And, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll be able to prove that during the season. Uh, you guys played something like 15 games together in your first stint with FC Dallas. Um, I don't think you've played at all with, with Blas Perez or, or Hosley. How long does does the, the understanding of where you guys like to play and where you like the ball and how you like it delivered, how long does that usually take, do you think? Well, hopefully not long. Um, you know, it's not completely new playing with these guys because there is a familiarity um, with them um you know whether you've you've played with guys or not in the league being in the league as long as i have um you know you know about the other players on their team you know you know about their quality and um you know in in eric and in blas you know they're two very good forwards and i've enjoyed the little bit of time that i've had playing with them in the preseason and hopefully you know we'll be able to develop good relationships on off the field and 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 be able to produce on it but um yeah, I, I'm hopeful that it won't take long to, um, you know, for things to click between all of us. And, uh, again, there's a familiarity with each other, I think. You and Hosley were acquired on the same day, which a little bit interesting just because Perez was already there to sort of see these, these high-scoring forwards with an MLS track record uh, be acquired at the same time in addition to an MLS forward. And you throw in Fabian Castillo. Has Did Shellis talk to you at the time of the deal or since then about – how maybe you guys are going to be deployed and who's going to play with who? Uh, I, I don't know, to be honest, um, you know, what the plans are for, uh, you know, who will be deployed uh, when and where. Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's a squad game. You have to have a deep squad. You know, everyone knows that injuries can happen. And unfortunately, Dallas were hit really hard with injuries to key players last year. Yeah. Um, if that happens, you know, I think, you know, you'll see a deep squad here. But hopefully it doesn't happen, and, and there'll be plenty of options for a coach, you know, come game day. When Does that conversation ever happen? Just take us behind the scenes. Is, is there ever a point where he sits you down one-on-one and says, here's what I'm thinking, this is what we're thinking about doing, and this is where I see you fitting in with this club? Um, well, you know, the, the club's made me feel, um, you know, appreciated, that's for sure. Um, you know, I, in the small time I've been with them, um, you know, they, they've certainly made me feel that, um, at the end of the day, I have to go out there, work hard and be a good professional, um, you know, and, and earn, uh, you know, a spot out there when it, when it comes game time. And, you know, I never, ever take anything for granted. <clears throat> um, you know, nothing surprised me in this game. 
and uh, you know, I I don't think I have any uh, divine right to be to be <laughs> playing over anyone else. So you know, my mentality is to go out there and, and give my best and work hard. And um, at the end of the day, it's my hope that I'll be good enough to earn a starting spot and be out there on the field. Why isn't Kenny Cooper on Twitter? Um, whew. is this was this the hardest question that I asked you this entire conversation? Whew, I don't know. Wow. <laughs> I'm not sure I have an answer for it. I don't know. I, I'm not sure I could give enough interesting, thought provoking. Uh, Kenny, you, know, you hung statements. out. You hung out with Dax McCarty for a season. He, you've seen how somebody can tweet. You, you know, you should you should have glommed some stuff off of him to f- figure out how to tweet. Uh, I, I wish I was as funny and witty as he is, but, um, you know, he's a great guy and I'll leave that stuff to him. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no, there's no, uh, opportunity for Kenny Cooper to be on Twitter for the 2013 season. You're kind of saying that now. Maybe I'll, I'll think about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kenny, thank you very much. Timonium's own Kenny Cooper. Thank you, my friend. We appreciate you coming on the show. It's a pleasure. Thanks so much. For more show information, go to pitchpass.com.